Welcome back to Even More News, the first and only news podcast. I said it before, I said it now, and I'll say it one more time. We are the first and only news podcast. My name is Katie Stoll. That's right. You'll say it yeah. till it's not true, which is never. Hi, I'm Cody Johnston. What's Hi, up Cody with you, Katie Stoll? Johnson, what's up with me? Yeah. So many things. Oh. But the first thing that's up with me is introducing our guest. This week, we're very excited to welcome Dave Itzkoff, culture reporter for the New York Times. Hi. This is where everyone's like going, yeah. Yeah. You just dub that in later. Yeah. The riotous applause. Awesome. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Thank you for having Everybody me. calm down. Be cool. <laughs> we know this is a big get. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I, yes, I, the, the, the roses at my feet were, were really unnecessary. We've got great fans. <laughs> we'll throw them away then. Compost Bye. them, though. Don't Seems throw like them in the roses, trash. But... It's, it's, I'm sure yeah. that's bad. Put it in the green bin. Yeah. Dave, we've got lots of great things to talk about. But the first great thing we have to talk about is uh, the holidays. Yeah, great things. Every day is a holiday. Um, today, the day that we are recording, June 2nd, it's National Bubba Day. National Bubba Day on June 2nd each year recognizes all those we lovingly call Bubba in our lives. Do you guys call anybody Bubba at all? I, I've had some bubbies. Bubbies? No, no, this no, isn't yeah. for that. This isn't that. No. no. Not, yeah. No, no Bubbas, I regret to say. Yeah. I call my dog Babo sometimes just because it's like a nonsense word that's cute to me. But I think this would just be National Pet Name Day. I call Benny. <laughs> I don't think I've ever called him Bubba. I might have. <laughs> He's more like BB, Benny Bean, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, this one's a dud. <laughs> but June 3rd, however, <laughs> is National Repeat Day. So that's better, which means I guess I'm just going to repeat June 2nd. Well, June 2nd is National Bubba mm -hmm. Day. Yeah, go for it. This one's for everybody with a Bubba in your life. This feels like. I'm Does anybody uh, here call any, anybody Bubba? I had a bubby. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not not a bubba. You know, that's cool. I, I, I call my dog Babo sometimes. I've probably called Benny Bubba, but usually it's something more like uh BB or or like a Benny Bean. Oh gosh, guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We just organically this did is an all the Monty intro. Python deja vu sketch mm. flawlessly. <laughs> improvised it. I'm very impressed with us. Or you. I didn't do anything. This is why we talk about the holidays. It's all been leading to this. You know, you never know what kind of gold you're going to get today on National Repeat Day. Okay, that's been fun. But now let's, <laughs> let's talk about you for a little bit, Dave. For your job, I, you, you watch a lot of TV. I think that goes without saying. Um, all the TV, in fact. It was great to be able to find a way to to finally monetize. That. <laughs> yeah, I was already kind of doing that, uh, you know, from I want to say age six or seven on, like when I was old enough to have my own key to my family apartment, and I would get home at you know three o'clock and throw a Celeste pizza in the microwave and watch five to ten hours of television right. until bedtime. <laughs> uh, and yeah, now now I get to uh, write about it for for a living. And I, uh, I can still make the Celeste pizzas if my mommy says it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I have for permission to use the microwave. It's pretty incredible when that happens. And we're, we're very lucky. I think that Cody and I are in a similar boat of like being in a world where like, yeah, these things that we grew up caring about have ended up being our career. And uh, I mean, although sometimes I don't know if you have this experience, does it become work again? Like watching TV is a hobby that you enjoy, but when you have to do it for work, is it like a little bit of a buzzkill? Not necessarily, only, only to the extent that because I write these recaps of Saturday Night Live, I always have to be uh, yeah, yeah. available on Saturday nights and not make like plans to go out on the weekends, which uh, sometimes to my wife's dismay. Uh, but but other than that, no, it, it you know, it's it, it's it, it's been really interesting to watch. I think it kind of like I think uh, maybe we'll talk about this more today, but I feel like it kind of crested in a way like there were there just seemed to be so much content just everywhere and so many yeah. different shows to keep up with that were pleasurable for for a while we 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 all kind of lived through the the era of like peak tv the sort of golden age of of streaming and there were a lot of great choices and then it, but it, it did kind of it has kind of felt like in the last 
year or so maybe that like we we hit a wall that there was just <laughs> There's a lot of it and not of like consistently high quality. They're just volume. So that was actually a really good setup for the next part of my questions here was, and this is a really hard one, but what should I be watching right now? I feel stymied oftentimes as to what I should. There's so much. There's so much of it. And uh, it's it's for a long time, I was able to use the zeitgeist as my barometer. Yeah, and really, I'm like, okay, well, this is what everybody's watching, but there's so much, and so it's harder for something to take hold. For example, yeah. here's where I bring up my favorite show. Listeners of this podcast will be thrilled. It's time once again, once again. <laughs> Patriot on Amazon. Have you had the pleasure of watching that? I, I cannot go with you there. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not here to shame you. I, I, after you don't like it. No, it's just, you know, everybody's choices are very particular that like, yeah, that's, that's one that I've heard invoked, but I, yeah, I never, I just never uh, got into it, but it's fine. I'm not going to judge you for that. We're a safe space here for, for people from, and, 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 and we know you've got good taste. You are (laughs) a culture writer, but, but I, but my point kind of being with that was I didn't, I wasn't aware of Amazon. uh, I'm was aware of Amazon, if only. I wasn't aware of Patreon, Patriot uh, until well after it had finished airing because, you know, again, the zeitgeist didn't catch hold. But yeah. to me and to other Patriot fans, it's an incredible show that just took a while to find its audience, you know? Yeah, I mean, that certainly is one of the pleasures of, of streaming in, in general. That they, like, <laughs> at, least, at least we have the perception that these things, like when they're in a library... Presumably they're going to they're going to stay there and like we can go back to them, you know, three months, six months, a year. And, you know, even if we don't catch something during like, you, you know, the, the white hot period when like most people seem to be watching it, we can go back to it later or wait for a season to be complete and, and watch it, you know, in, in, you know, one big session or, you know, a couple of, of medium size uh, binges and and like that like that that aspect of of the habit if or the you know is 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 pleasurable but yeah I I feel like like the 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 number of shows that really sort of at least that are currently being made and available to people that like deserve that kind of place in in like our like you said the zeitgeist in our kind of like cultural headspace it, it doesn't seem like it's at like there, there are still standouts every once in a while even like one or two shows a season, I think, is is satisfying, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're happening with the same kind of like consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and do you think it's like kind of I mean, it always sort of comes back to this for me is like companies like Disney sort of like just, yeah throwing as much out there as possible. And like like Katie, you're talking about like you you can't really trust the zeitgeist anymore. And like I find that, too, because it's not like, oh, check out this show. It's like, oh, the new x show is coming out the new the new this that's getting promoted enough show on, and it doesn't yeah. seem like there's a lot of room for just a a unique new kind of thing like patriot again sounds great i'll give it a <laughs> shot eventually but that's like not it's not a brand right it's not like a franchise it's not gonna get the the most people talking about it and that's sort of how uh these things spread is like are enough people talking about it and if they are, then that's the, what gets the attention. But I just find it like, yeah. I think a few things happen. I, I think I think that is part of it. That basically, you you know, you had these big players essentially, you know, Netflix, Disney, uh, A- Amazon, you know, getting in, you know, HBO and and now HBO Discovery Max, whatever you <laughs> yeah. know, they've become all like all you know all, all getting into this space more or less at once. Netflix, you know, more first, but everybody and, and just throwing tons of money at it. And so, you know, almost everything. I mean, yes, there are experiences people had of not getting shows picked up, but so much stuff got greenlit. And and there so there was this kind of gold rush mentality. And, you know, the, the you know, Disney obviously is focused on their specific franchise brands, Marvel, Star Wars, you know, those existing IPs. 
and you know, Netflix, even though they didn't have something like that for a while, they were still kind of, you know, minting at least cultural coin mm. that they always seem to find whatever the next thing was. And, and even, even as recently as like, you know, squid game, which I, you know, I don't care what, I, I mean, I, which I, I adored. I don't think they, I don't know if they necessarily knew what they had right. when right. they first got into that. I mean, it's fantastic. And I'm grateful that, you know, it, they got it into my eyeballs, uh, but you know, af- after that moment, it's not clear. You know, they they've had um, like inventing Anna. These, you know, these, they, they, everybody had their grifter show. You know, at one at one point or another. Oh yeah. It's not clear that, that we're we're in this uh, moment right now where like I'm not sure that any one streamer right now has like the show that everybody has to be watching this summer. And in a way, that's kind of mirrored what happened to broadcast television. That like things got so kind of like you know, thin sliced and and just niched that, you know, things are sustainable, but there's certainly, you know, there isn't a sustainable for broadcast TV. There's nothing that's sort of happening big like that in streaming space right now. And the question is, did these guys overspend? Did they did they just throw yeah. so much money at these things in the expectation that that would lead to more and more subscription right. growth and that that gravy train would just go on in perpetuity and it may be kind of running out of steam? Yeah, it seems like it's going to have to sort of maybe even just some sort of middle ground, but go back to some sort of version of because like you're yeah. saying, like, yeah, you have all these now. I don't I like I I know people who were like, I subscribe to this when there's this show out when it's over. I unsubscribe. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally just like, OK, what show am I watching? I guess I'll do that streaming service. You can't have five. You can't have it's like so expensive because then you're spending more than you would spend if you had cable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, oftentimes people have cable too because <laughs> they want to want at least the basic channels. Our, uh, yeah. One of our writers, uh, our head writer, Dave, was saying yesterday, just like, yeah, I was going to cancel Netflix after finishing Stranger Things, but then they fucking said that they got two more for the season. So I got to <laughs> wait until that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and there and right. Obviously, the streamers are, are like kind of becoming you know, savvy to this because of the way that they're dividing up these seasons where right now they could have put out, you know, all the episodes of the new Stranger Things season if they wanted to. But yeah, I mean, for one thing, they can split this between like two, you know, Emmys consideration Mm -hmm. periods. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, and that's, you know, that's what AMC's done with like Better Call Saul, you know, like, you can you could they could just run the full season. But if they, you know, they take a little pause and in, in the middle and then it, you know, it counts for like two different years. There's there's that sort of nefarious aspect to it. But then, uh, you know, as Cody as, as, as was just saying that, like, you know, they know also that if you just binge all these episodes in like a week and then you're going to then you're going to cancel. Uh, and whereas like if they if we give you half the season now and we'll give you the rest in July, then they can maybe get you to hang on to your subscription for for one more month. That doesn't seem sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Or like even like Disney Plus seems to be doing smarter just because they're like they do the weekly thing. It feels a little more familiar to have to wait a week to watch a new episode of a show. Yeah. Binging was very fun and exciting. And we, like, who doesn't want to watch? Like, you know, if it existed during Lost, we'd all be watching like an entire season of Lost in like a week. And that's great. But like, <laughs> yeah. it's not a great way to absorb shows necessarily. Yeah, exactly. In a weird way, like, I mean, Disney kind of went back to that with like the Star Wars shows with Mandalorian and Boba Fett of just like one a week. You know, we drop it first thing on a Wednesday morning and you catch it, you know, when you can. And and then Twitter is, you know, full of obscure, you know, Star Wars spoilers for the next five hours. And if if you don't like it, that's your problem. You know, it's it's like that got people back, I think, to the the pleasure of a like, yeah, we're all gathering at the same time, more or less Mm -hmm. to, to watch this thing. And there is something I love to sit down and binge a show. I do especially like just. There's nothing ahead of me, especially Patriot. But there's an argument about that's not necessarily healthy for us, <laughs> of like, uh, of just socially, like, well, like what you're you're mentioning right now. There is a communal aspect to yeah. everybody who cares is watching it together at the same time, and we're talking about it. And uh, you know, I I don't know what I I would really like is go back to the model kind of paying a fee for access to everything or most everything. And if I want to be the person that's involved in the 
weekly release of it. Maybe I pay for the subscription to because I happen to really love Disney Plus or what have you. Then I pay for early access or something like that. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to happen. It feels like HBO Max. I, I feel like HBO kind of is the only one that kind of owns yeah. appointment viewing. Like Game of Thrones several years back and now Succession, I think, was the last time where like you had to be there watching as it aired mm -hmm. or else it was all going to get spoiled for you online. And like uh, other shows have their fandoms, but it, like I'm a huge Better Call Saul fan, but I don't feel that same experience yeah. that if I have to wait until tomorrow to watch Better Call Saul, that like my life will be ruined. Yeah, I do wonder if there's been some like audience creep for for a show like Better Call Saul. Like I just remember how sort of like, you, you know, like hepped up everybody was like when that first premiered, you know, four or five years ago. And it just as an extension of, of Breaking Bad, which people loved, it had, you know, because of Bob Odenkirk and his fan base and all, like all that stuff is still there. And I think they're still writing and producing a show as good as it was at the outset. But I agree. I don't, I don't find like, you know, that sense of like at the moment that the episode ends, people just kind of like, you, you know, rushing onto Twitter, like a la the you know, the reporters in airplane when they all run into the mm -hmm. phone booth at the same time, <laughs> knock it over. Like we're all going to the same place to immediately have that conversation. It kind of just dribbles out in, in like little spurts and like, oh, you see somebody tweet five days later. Hey, that was a good episode of Better Call Saul. And I click little heart on it, but I don't get the same. Yeah, like, OK, right, I right. agree with you. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I missed. I didn't know there was another episode of this or like things like mm -hmm. I just don't even realize things are on anymore because mm -hmm. it's all spread out everywhere. Yeah, I think people are unaware that this is the last season or people that were thought that like the episode that aired last weekend was the series finale what, and not like neither of those things. But when that when stuff like that is happening, like that's bad messaging on the part of the networks, like if they, yeah. if they can't get the, like if people just don't have that general awareness anymore, like that does not bode well for the, the business model. It's also tough because, I mean, I remember if there was some big event on TV or a big finale or what have you, they're marketing it on TV nonstop. So you would see commercials at every commercial break. Yeah. Describing what's to come. And that does not exist. All will be now. revealed is what's to come. <laughs> All will be revealed. <laughs> yeah, look, I remember I was literally at the Tony Awards with my wife on the night of the Sopranos finale and like like biting my fingernails, <laughs> being like, are we going to get out of this award ceremony <laughs> to catch the Sopranos before anybody can spoil it for me? Like that, that I mean, that was some years ago now, but that seems such that's so like it seems so distant like it just we just don't experience uh culture it's certainly not like tv culture like that anymore on holiday there's nothing like doing nothing as an expedia member you can save up to 30 percent when you add a hotel to your flight so you can go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing for less expedia made to travel Hey gang, it's Katie. You know, with gas prices as high as they are, sometimes all I want to do is lay down on a board that I've tied to the bottom of someone else's car. Then I let them drive me to wherever they're going and figure things out for there. It saves money, but wow, really, really eats up my time. Luckily though, I have Best Fiends. It's a mobile puzzle game. You know the kind, one of those casual match three deals that's free to download and aimed at adults like me, who have some time to kill, which I clearly do. Plus, the fumes make me tired, but this keeps me awake as I glide mere inches from the rushing pavement. I'm currently on level 49. It doesn't matter if the car I'm tied under is going a few miles or a few hours, because Best Fiends has thousands of exciting levels and challenges Every time you play, there are dozens of unique fiends to collect and power up and customize as your team battles a series of menacing slugs. And with offline play, you can keep going even if the car you're hiding under brings you to the remote area where you accidentally witness a murder. But you got to keep that part to yourself, guys. You just, you got to swallow it. And you got to bury it. That's the code of the undercar. So, geez, go on, why don't you? Check out Best Fiends right now. Go to the App Store or Google Play to download Best Fiends for free. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
we're going to talk about some news soon, but I am enjoying just talking to you about stuff. TV's good. I like TV. TV's good. I like TV. <laughs> We've established that you write the the recap for SNL every week and, and that you have to <laughs> plan your weekends around it. What's it like? Do you feel a sense of relief when the season's over and you, you get your time back? I'm also curious about your thoughts on the show in general, because, of course, it has its peaks and valleys. I haven't personally been watching it at all in the last few yeah. years. And there's a lot people there's always a conversation that comes and goes about how it's losing its bite or whether or not it's even still relevant. And if you're free to comment on that, would love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> oh sure. Yeah, I know I mean look, I think like I think it's a fascinating institution. There's yeah. truly nothing like it whether it's, you know, good or bad in a given season or on a given night. It's it's still kind of amazing that there is just like a network show that is devoted like you know, pretty much every weekend, 20 to 22 weekends out of the year to like putting on this kind of like crazy live variety show that's supposed to be responding or, you know, in some way assimilating all the stuff that just happened that past week and doing it like, you know, with some serious like bucks behind it, like they spend a lot of money on that show. And like, really, in it, like, again, whether you like agree if they're achieving it or not, like really trying to make an effort to find like, the best up and coming talent that they can find to like fill out its ranks every year. And the fact that it's endured now for 47 uh, years wow. doing that, like that's all pretty fascinating. It's, it's basically like, you know, it, I'm not the first person to have made this comparison, but they're just like the New York Yankees of TV variety. Like they just, <laughs> yeah, the, the mere fact that they exist, and still do what they do like that at minimum makes it like worthwhile to like pay attention to and see what they're doing. It's obviously the last couple of years have been, you know, a big transition for them because, of course, they got, you know, so much mileage out of the Trump administration. And in a way that, yeah. you know, I, I think we can kind of agree, uh, you know, like didn't there was really like nothing like especially lasting that came, you know, out of like the sort of Trump specific satire. Very diplomatic uh, way. Yeah. To say that. And it is hard in an era of Trump where everything is absurd and it's hard to even and dark and it's really hard to find. But that's what they're there to do. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is their like, that's their mandate, like, you know, sink or swim. Like that's you're right that that's what they're supposed to be doing. And yeah, I think I think that was a really kind of tough period for them, like whether they would acknowledge it or not, like not not just like finding ways to make it funny, but also to kind of like walk a line of like, you know, whether Trump was like watching it himself in real time or like stuff was getting back to him, if he was, you know, if 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 he was like satirized in a sketch, he was aware of it and like sometimes even tweeting about it. And that's it's like such a weird feedback system, regardless of like who the players are, that like the president of the United States is on some level, like paying attention to what a comedy show is doing and like responding at times to it like i don't know you know it's this is a very like that is not a system for like under which comedy can can thrive like like regardless of right yeah well i mean there's there's conversations of course everywhere right now and it's tied up with streaming yeah. about wokeness in comedy yeah. and what that means and it's ruining comedy or it's not but what we're actually seeing a lot of times are like the institutions of SNL, for example, knowing that everybody's watching and not taking it far enough. Or like, to me, that's an example of comedy not getting more woke, I guess, is because the, the bite is out of it. They're not dancing into the dangerous territory, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, th I think that that I think that that's fair. And, you know, I like I, I, you know, I can't necessarily speak on behalf of the show, but my guess is that like, you know, their philosophy is like, you know, we get uh, whatever, you know, 20 or 22 chances a, a year to do this. And like, not everything's going to be a home run. Not everything and not every sketch is going to be 
you know, Phil Hartman playing, you know, smart Reagan or, you know, know, Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks doing, uh, you know, Black Jeopardy, like, you know, those little moments of like, just everything came together in in the right way. They had something to say. They said it in a funny way. They got, you know, great performances in in a live moment. Like if you can get like, you know, two or three sketches like that in in the season, like you've got it made. And and yet, like I, I found it, I think they, it was really hard for them to, you know, achieve even on that level, you know, in again, in the like 2016 to 2020, you know, period, I, I felt like, you know, I, I I know not everybody will agree with this, but I felt like they got a little bit more energy just in the last year of being at least being freed of that weight of like not having they still found ways to go back to Trump and, and get a new performer to play uh, Trump, but they weren't like so reliant on Trump or even on the Biden administration to like fuel or provide material that they did try to kind of, you know, just stretch out a little bit. They did some really weird and bizarre stuff, like especially in the past year. But I I would much rather have like a weird, inexplicable SNL than like a (laughs) predictable SNL. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You want the you want the Kyle Mooney stuff. Yeah, uh, more than more than the uh, Alec Baldwin stuff. Kyle's still there, right? He just left. He left. Oh, he, he left. just yeah. left. He yeah. just left. Yeah. We know good neighbor boys from back in the day. Oh, here. cool. Yeah, he had a great series mm-hmm. on uh, actually on Netflix. He had, he had uh, like a, a five yeah, episode yeah, yeah. series Saturday morning All Star Hits that I thought was it's like cartoon yeah, it was thing, wonderful yeah. and like a, a little bit sort of uh, like un- under underrated. Like people were really into. Uh, I think you should leave, which was excellent. And like, I, th- I think this was like yeah. right on on par with that. Yeah, definitely shows the like, you know, the the individually, there are a lot of people on that show with just tremendous yeah. talent and and like great comedy instincts. I was going to pivot to talking about George Carlin, actually. Please, mm. please do. He was the first host of Saturday Night Live. There's your pivot. There's our pivot. I don't even have to edit it out. Um, I, I I have not finished watching this documentary, but I know that you you had a recent piece about it. And I think that there's a lot to be said. I mean, George Carlin's clips are always shared on social media saying like, this is so this is because and oftentimes it's like, man, he cut to the fat in a way that's still funny and relevant to this day. But it also ends up being used by both sides. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's an interesting phenomenon that we see online. And we have this tendency to keep our cultural heroes and put them on a pedestal and be like, if he was alive today, what would he say? Yeah. Well, he might not say something that you want him to say. Yeah. You know, like there's also that. But anyway. You're more of an expert. <laughs> you saw the whole documentary. <laughs> yes, by virtue of having watched the whole documentary. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. I, I mean, first of all, I thought it was a terrific film. And just like, you know, in terms yeah. of like, tell, you know, it's, uh, you know, Judd Apatow and uh, Michael Bonfiglio who, who made it together. And like, just in terms of telling a life story and Carlin's story and not really kind of like holding back or sugarcoating things and like getting into like, the problems that he had with drug addiction in his life mm-hmm. getting into, I, I mean, you know, people know, for example, like the big kind of switch that Carlin made early in his career from going from the kind of like, you know, suit and tie clean cut stand up to being the long haired hippie guy. Like that's very well known, but this documentary really like charts a lot of the ups and downs that he had many periods of like trying to reinvent himself, trying to like dig or drill deeper to like what he thought was the truth, having many phases of his career where people weren't into him and thought that he had kind of like lost it or like, you know, just didn't have it anymore. Like you see, like, SCTV sketches where like Rick Moranis is making fun of him or like Cheech and Chong are mocking him. And it's like, wow, like Carlin really had some low periods if these guys were scoring points off of him. And, and part of what's interesting is I think like the, the clips, most of the clips that you see, you know, that get circulated on the internet from these routines come from like the late nineties on when I think people had kind of soured on on his specials a little bit when he was really mm-hmm. kind of like fully in his like angry old man phase and like would open every special with like literally he would just preface it by saying I'm going to just say what I'm mad about I'm just going to complain about things for 10 minutes now and like <laughs> and that's what it would sound like in a routine was just like 10 minutes of a guy complaining and like sometimes he would say something funny or insightful and sometimes it just sounded like 
he was complaining. Like you, you would hear a seven-year-old man complain about things and he got to do it on a stage. And I, like I said, I think people, audiences in that period, at, like in real time, were not like super into him, but it is fascinating how a lot of that material, at least in these more sort of bite-sized pieces, had have been perpetuated. And even like, like, you know, quotes from his, like his books and his audio books that were like way down on the food chain, like nobody, like people didn't really care about that stuff at the time it was published. Like that's part of what gets circulated online now too. And as you were saying, it's not strictly like a liberal phenomenon of, Mm -hmm. yeah, like George Carlin's our patron saint and everything he said was true or conservatives, you know, co-opting him or, or finding things that he said that appealed to that philosophy. You know, it's, it's really like across the spectrum that people look at him in a way that they don't look at other comedians where it's like, it's important to me that somehow my like morality and my judgment align with George Carlin. Like I have to Mm -hmm. be sure I have to feel like he would agree with what I'm about to say or do that. We don't care if other comedians agree with us like like, if johnny carson would agree with what i'm about to do gives a shit but like (laughs) like we care about carlin in a way or at least a lot of people do like it's something about not just his material and his sensibility but like there's something just people feel like he had he had this like inherent like kind of like truth-telling quality about him uh and you can see other comedians even trying to like co-opt or imitate that and it's not as successful no no, I, I want to uh, ask about the, the point you were just making, because you you quote his daughter, Kelly, in your article saying who says he was 99 percent progressive. And that really comes out in a lot of what he says about corporations and what he says about re- Republican politicians trying to control people. But, you know, he's very famous for that seven dirty words bit. There was a Supreme Court case about free speech about it. And since we're in a time right now where like even the definition of free speech and what it should mean is being dragged in like 20 different positions and you have it, you know, people standing on the pedestal of free speech to defend some of the transphobic things that Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais are saying. That's one of those areas where I'm like, if he was around today, he'd be 85 now, I think. I don't know if we would like what position he takes on it or if he would say the same thing that he said uh, about Andrew Dice Clay on the Larry King show, where you say, I defend their right to say it, but obviously they're they're not punching up here. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, those are all like uh, great points. And I mean, I try, I try to like, you know, go go through it like, uh, you know, segment by segment. But I, I mean, thank you for, you know, mentioning that like Kelly Carlin was a big part of that story. Uh, it was great to speak to her. Obviously, she's kind of like one of the last living links to her dad because you know, his first wife has passed away. He didn't really have, he had a a brother who was older than he was. He's since passed away. There's really not like a lot of other people in, in like in Carlin's world who really like knew his heart and knew his mind. And and just to sort of clarify a little bit of what I think Kelly meant there is not, not that like everything in his routine was progressive, but that his personal politics and what he educated her, the way that he taught her, uh, that's that's what she meant by sort of 99% progressive. But I mean, it's true. You can look at his routine from like early 2000s, where he's literally talking about like, you know, America, you know, basically, you know, be like a country that is like literally on the grounds that we stole from uh, Native Americans and, and uh, you know, the founding fathers being slave owners and, and why should we care what they think about today? Like all these kinds of things that like, you know, if, if you wouldn't be able to teach it in a school in Florida right now is what I'm saying. Like that's, that it's very clear what his personal politics were, but that doesn't mean that they were all like his, that his routines only manifested that sensibility. And, you know, that I think he was capable in his comedy, certainly of like, you know, reaching out to both sides and also that he did have, uh, you know, personal opinions and leanings that, of course, on, uh, particularly on the issue of free speech, are very appealing to, to conservatives, that, that, that Carlin really did consider himself a free speech absolutist in that sense. And yeah, that the, the comments that he made about Andrew Dice Clay when he was asked about him on Larry King, the, 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 his point was that, yes, it, it, like, it, that, yeah, that, that a comedian should be 
you know, allowed the space and the freedom to say what they want in, in their routine, but also that there doesn't, that does not, you know, free them from being judged for their routine or what they choose <laughs> yeah. or an audience having right, a reaction. Right. Yeah, you could say it, it but <laughs> yeah. we have a right to not like it. Yeah, he basically, like, he was basically saying, like, he is allowed to say it. I don't like it. I think it's bad. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that's, you know, that's where we start to get into, like, at least, at least if you're looking for a moment of like, you know, uh, WWGCD, like what would George Carlin do? Like, <laughs> we don't know. We don't, we literally don't know what he would say like right now about like a Dave Chappelle or, or Ricky Gervais. I mean, the, 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 the dice clay thing, like that's probably as close as we can get, you know, that in the sense that like, most likely would he render the same kind of judgment of like, yeah, I'm not down with the content or the specifics, but like, you still got to give the, the guy the right to say those things right. or the space to say it on a stage, like most likely, but yeah, we can't, we can't know uh, for certain. And that's, I mean, that's, that's part of what, you know, makes it, I think, you know, challenging, or at least like, it's, it's very easy for people to, to want to invoke him because who can prove you, wrong if you say well yeah. said, right, said right. this like he's not here to say yes i would or no i wouldn't right unless yeah unless he literally said it yeah he would have agreed that uh, netflix is going downhill because of the woke mind virus yeah. <laughs> i think he'd definitely be on elon's side there easily easily yeah i kind of think he would be irritated by people trying to say what he would say <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> that i think is i think is very true yeah but you know i, I wouldn't when, if I if I can just go back to the you know just the, the free speech issue I mean you know this is something that that uh, you know Mark Marin uh, you know talked about in my piece and I thought he was really on point was that the free speech fight that Carlin was fighting had to do with like literally the government trying to prevent or intimidate him from saying what he wanted to say like him literally getting arrested for performing you know, one of his routines in, in 1972, that is, you know, uh, maybe, maybe there's like an individual headline that I, I have missed recently, but that's not what's happening today. And I'm, I'm, I'm right. certainly not aware of like mm -hmm. American, uh, you know, comedians getting, you know, arrested or, or, or intimidated by, you know, government powers uh, because of the things that they either say or, or, or want to say. And in a sense that, that, that fight is already kind of, as far as I'm aware, over. But there, there are like other iterations. There's like, you know, there's like if if you want to, I'm not sure I I'm down with this or agree with this. But if you want to say that like online or you know, you know, Twitter or Google or whatever is the new public square, and like it, some people think that's a form of censorship. If like if they're not if you're not given a place there, like that's that's where the fight is happening and what it's about. But that's not what Carlin was arguing about or fighting for. Listen here, I'm a busy guy, so it's hard to balance my work life reading the news with my food life eating the foods. Most of the time I pay a child to write the daily news on a pizza pie that I eat throughout the day, both literally and figuratively consuming the latest in politics and sports. Just those two subjects, only those. But now there's a better way that has allowed me to Fire that food child, and that's AG1 by Athletic Greens. AG1 takes all of the vitamins you need to survive and junk and puts them into a single drink and junk. Forget chewing down a bunch of vitamins or paying a child one quarter a day to merge your work and food habits. AG1 circumvents all of that with a genius elixir that I like to drink sometimes because it's good and makes me feel healthy when I do. You see here, just one scoop of AG1 can contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients based on nutritional research that the folks at Athletic Greens always keep up with. You know, because you're too busy to do it yourself, not to mention that it's designed for any lifestyle, like a vegan or a paleo, and it only has a single gram of a sugar. It would be weird if it was really sugary, right? That'd be so weird. It's supposed to be healthy, and it is, so give it a try. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash more news today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash more news to take control of your health so you can fire that no good child you keep safely in your extra closet. It's legal. Don't look into it, but it is.
I'm going to take us on a little bit of a hard pivot because I think that we should talk about a bit of news. Not that this hasn't been news adjacent, mm. but there is some news this week in case you missed it. Johnny Depp has won his libel lawsuit against ex-wife Amber Heard on Wednesday uh, with the jury awarding him both compensatory and punitive Punitive damages totaling $10.35 million. The jury also ruled in favor of Heard uh, in one aspect of her countersuit against Depp's lawyer who called her allegations a hoax and awarded her $2 million. Jonathan, that changed though, right? The judge adjusted it. The, so they tried to give Johnny Depp $15 million. They tried to give him $10 million in compensatory oh, gotcha. and $5 million in punitive damages and based on Virginia state law, lowered that to $350,000. So... She has to give him ten point three five million, and he has to give her two million because they were both right and they were both wrong. So apparently. this makes sense. Mm, um, quick that seems, little reminder yeah. for everyone listening that the whole trial is based off of an op-ed she published in twenty eighteen uh, that described her experiences with abuse, but did not name him. Also, both Heard and Johnny Depp live in california so why is this taking place there because they can uh yeah uh, fil they can film it and air it yeah and well we can get all of our great youtube clips sorry i mean yes that is but but technically speaking um uh it, depp claims it's because that's where the washington post is published uh you know where where the op-ed was also in virginia the anti-slap laws are very specific and allow for a jury trial without a judge needing to weigh in in on if a defendant is allowed to be served with such a suit. So there are specific laws in that state that made this uh, favorable for Johnny Depp. Um, also, he could live stream it. <laughs> Just a point of note, anti-slap laws are intended to, to protect people from lawsuits from rich and powerful people trying to silence them. So that's just fun. One thing that I think is important to point out is that Johnny Depp sued a British tabloid a few years ago for calling him a wife beater. Uh, and he lost that suit because that was in front of a judge. Because he did. Because he did, as he did. was proved in this trial that we all watched, unfortunately, unfold. Boy, this is a little upsetting <laughs> to get into. The reaction uh, was expected um, and pretty gross. And also, like, I've, I've tried to... I haven't paid much attention to the trial, at least the first few weeks of it. I started to get a lot of those videos in my algorithm that I chose to not watch, but they keep showing them to me um, of like, look at Johnny Depp, embarrass everybody. Look how charming the guy is. Um, and it was a very clear like narrative being formed and then just looking into it recently and like lit like details and quotes from the trial and then seeing people's reaction to it. It's just full of liars. It's very frustrating and weird to see um, just like blatant misrepresentations of what was actually said and revealed. It was disgusting. Just this idea that like he didn't do anything um, seems to be out there. And like this like is uh, vindicates everything. And because she seems like a problem quote. And I'm putting big quotes around this. A problematic witness, a problematic accuser so the whole thing became about dragging her through the mud and delegitimizing her and not about whether or not johnny depp did the things that uh she's she's claiming which he did there was lots of well, evidence that's what the jury said <laughs> that's in the award too <laughs> yeah if she's awarded damages because uh, his lawyer called her accusations a hoax, that means that it wasn't a hoax, which means it's accurate. Because the question here was whether or not she was defaming him by not naming him. The lawyers that I've seen talk about this since the verdict was read yesterday seem to suggest that her appeal is likely to be successful because of that contradiction that like. The jury may not have like it's clear that they didn't understand because if one person's telling like the truth yeah. about all this stuff, then the other person couldn't have. It's like the two the the trolls in Labyrinth are not following their own rules, you know, like so mm -hmm. if so it's going to be very easy to present this like if she was defamed by it being called a hoax, 
then she was telling the truth about this stuff. And if she was telling the truth that he could, obviously you don't need me to go through and it, it, it'll it's pretzel logic. Yeah, I do think it's interesting because if we start talking about the jury, it's very clear that it was a huge problem that they weren't sequestered. And even though they were instructed, especially yeah. since the Internet was allowed to participate and be essentially in the courtroom. Right. We, even if we didn't want to be in the courtroom, we were forced into it over the last six weeks. Yeah, they forced you us were there. Forced. Yeah. I, di- I, I specifically did not want to consume any of this trial. Um, and I know a lot of people that, you know, I'm not saying that I've experienced d- domestic violence, but it's very triggering for a lot of people. And it was forced upon everybody. There was no choice to avoid it. And that was on purpose. Well, I mean, it makes money for the platforms for sure. But Johnny Depp and his team strategically showed up in this place so that it could play out in the court of public opinion so that he could make himself seem different, paint a different picture for himself, whatever. Did you know that actors can be charming? I didn't. I wasn't aware. Have you heard? I wasn't yeah, aware. Yeah, like on the fly. That. They're just like, they just like respond. They're like, well, that's a charming person. And then, yeah. then it's all over. And we can keep talking about the, the media response and how, I mean, it was just horrifying the way people attacked her character. And, you know, interestingly enough, there is a large percentage of women who themselves have been victims of a abuse who are very quick to jump on the anti Amber Heard train because, like I said, quote unquote, not the ideal kind of victim. There's no ideal victim. I know I'm just, but just in case anybody is unclear about what I am saying here, but uses a chance to like push other people down to make themselves feel better and safer in what what they experience in their own experiences. They also don't want to be painted to look like X, Y, Z. So they're quick to, you know, join. It's it's a phenomenon. It's it's very real. And you're seeing that online. But what this whole thing has done and nothing I'm going to say is going to surprise our listeners, but it's just. I mean, it completely takes the air out of me, too. It sets us back so far because what this does is sets a precedent for people to not come forward. If they can just be accused of defamation, they don't stand a shot. If it, 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 it's completely disgusting. And I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not even interested that much in the facts of this case. You know, the whole well, right, cause like what you're talking about isn't necessarily like legally. I don't think it will necessarily have that effect, but like, Culturally, culturally there is a chilling effect exactly i mean what we've already seen is that um w- w- this is from rolling stone um from dr jessica taylor a psychologist uh forensic psychology phd um and an author of books about misogyny and abuse um she told rolling stone that she has already been contacted by hundreds of survivors wishing to retract public statements they have made in the press or pulling out of court cases against their abusers She says the verdict opens the floodgates for future defamation cases. Survivors watching this will rethink everything they say out loud about what happened to them and the potential of being sued and dragged through a court process for saying something they know is true, but they could be found guilty of defamation. It's a scary place to be. It's very it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, there's um, I mean, look at like you said, like it's, you know, there's a symbolic sort of like it sort of uh, the effect on like the Me Too thing. Like you can look at. From Ann Coulter to some other fucking monster, uh, literally saying that, like literally being like, this is the end of of me too. Like we did it like this is we did it, folks. And it's it's easy to get distracted by culture war stuff. It's also easy to dismiss culture war stuff that also like has a negative effect on people and like culture in ways that like do matter. And you know uh what like the daily wire spent tons of money on these like pro depth anti amber heard ads and stuff like why are they doing that yeah what that's like this was there was a this push beyond just the trial to make this represent and be sort of a referendum on uh the past uh several years and it seems to have worked and that sucks yeah Worked for for yeah. some people, uh, for people who wanted it to work. The House Judiciary GOP tweeting out that gif of Jack Sparrow 
I was like, why Ugh. are you even weighing in on this? What? What? Uh, like it? Because everything. Yeah, you didn't. Pending. I didn't even realize three weeks ago while this trial was already halfway over that. Oh, this is a referendum on like the last mm -hmm. 10 years of discussions about like abuse and sexual politics and stuff. But all yeah. of a sudden they're like, nope, it is. And we're declaring victory. And also we're the, we love this guy who like. Right. And it's like yeah we did it and like it worked and like this is like for everybody and like but they're still just both millionaires like <laughs> yeah. trading mil some millions of dollars yeah. to each other like oh, i don't know i don't know how much money amber heard has probably millions not as much as he does certainly not as much not as, he as does, much as like, he does it's just feels awful even if you believe that she's this evil manipulative whatever and that she made everything up and then even if you believe that that vague op-ed that doesn't mention him goes so far as to be considered defamation i still wouldn't think it's worth 15 like no. she is not that is not responsible for the wane in uh johnny depp's film career which had been kind of going downhill before that like he he was also the fact of the matter yes. is is that uh, <laughs> all of this well-documented abuse happened while he was spiraling on drugs and alcohol something he had been so he'd been sober prior to them getting married or meeting or whatever and this is a fact that affects your career people don't want to work with people who are loose cannons it's very frustrating of course it's it's hard to think about like the precedent and, and you know not just people that currently have similar situations that they're rethinking, but just for for women growing up in this country and uh, feeling empowered and safe and that their country in the legal system would protect them. That's a bummer. But I don't think Me Too is completely dead. Well, no. I mean, that's the thing. Like, of course not, because it's just people needed this like symbolic thing to share their little gifts yeah and make sure that that we know it's like vice signaling is what they're doing and it's uh i'm great to know like that they think that and that that's what <laughs> house judiciary <laughs> wants to spend their fucking time on <laughs> um, but i don't think ultimately it'll you know obviously it's not the end of it and like like jonathan you mentioned like it's probably not gonna hold because of how very clearly contradictory the ruling was yeah i've not enjoyed seeing like because it's not it's the framing for a lot of the, the people who are like we did it we won is that like we won she was lying she lied about everything right he didn't do anything that's just like literally yeah, you not can't true. Like, that objectively up. that's not true you can't listen to audio or read like the text like anything you were following it really closely and seem to have missed a lot of evidence here <laughs> yeah like there there are incidents that clearly happened there's not like mountains and mountains of evidence because there usually isn't in, st sure. in cases like this but um there's him audibly admitting to, to yeah. certain things um he says saying them out loud um and so just like the, the idea that like this defamation trial, which again has contradictory uh, uh, outcomes, means that he didn't do any of the abuse is like just false on its face. And that's really fucked up that people are sort of using this to say that. Um, I don't know. This was this was one of the stories that final. Whenever people are like, "Oh, I know Twitter's manipulating stuff," and I always am like, "No, it's just this is how you use it." This was finally the story <laughs> that made me think. I've I've xed out anytime it's like suggested topic, Amber Heard or Johnny Depp, and it's always in the sidebar, and I'm like, "Nope, nope, nope." I'm just going to see mm -hmm. if I can um, mm -hmm. rid this from mm -hmm. my algorithm, and I couldn't do it. And I wonder if that was mm -hmm. your yeah. experiences as well. I, that happened to for me sure. as, as well. Like, you know, with uh, like with like with YouTube, for example, like if, you know, if I just came to it like totally cold, like I was, you know, certainly getting like suggested a lot of like, you know, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard reaction videos. It's not anything. I'm, I'm barely certain like my son was not looking at them like in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. He's seven. He's into blue. <laughs> no, not not like his world. And 
yeah, I, like it, I don't. I think these things were not. It didn't. It didn't feel like organic suggestions based on like history. It just felt like that. It was like the machine had decided. Okay, now this is what this is what you're getting. Yeah, it's like yeah. it determined yeah. like this story. The algorithm was like this story has these six qualities that always do well. So no matter what, we're just gonna filter mm-hmm. this to the top. It'll get them. It'll get the clicks. It'll get the views. And it it did. It totally worked. Yeah. Yeah, it worked. I it think worked. also that it was it was it was such a hard story for. I mean, this is like like a very low level problem, but it was kind of a hard story or event for like pop culture to kind of like comment or weigh in on because there were just so many aspects of it that were like distasteful and ugly. And in, in the absence of that, I think that like there was. I mean, there there was like an S wasn't like well received there were like a couple monologue jokes and some of the late night hosts but otherwise like you know people not really wanting to go there left a lot of room for like other individuals and other brands to kind of like fill that Mm. space and comment on it in like you know in in a way that like you know like we can all kind of recognize as like you know ugly and gross yeah it's really unpleasant in a lot of ways yeah, and very destructive. <laughs> Ugly, gross, destructive. If the verdict is ultimately overturned, since that would just be a private matter with like a three-judge it panel, we news. will not be witnessing it for, for weeks at a time. And oh, we yeah. might we might hear it, but it'll probably get buried. And for the most part, people will assume that this is how it stood. Right. Oh, as soon as that happens, the phrase activist judges will be very, very popular. Oh, yeah. That is exactly that what's, what's going to happen. happen the activist it? judges made their decision because they're too woke. Yeah. Instead of like looking at the and the ha- yeah, That's that- one thing I hate about judges, how woke they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. The House Judiciary GOP won't be putting an Amber Heard from Aquaman gif up. No, when no, that they happens. Won't. What even would that be? Are there that those exist? Has anyone made a single? I'm sure they exist. I haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but I'm sure there are gifts. But yeah, I don't think they'll switch from frivolous lawsuits to activist judges. I think that'll be a pretty smooth transition. You know, yeah, I don't yeah, they- believe in cancel culture, really. <laughs> I mean, sure, we understand, but we've talked about this a lot on the show. Like, yeah, someone gets in trouble with the liberal left. Well, there's a whole other side of people that are ready to welcome them. It just it does occur to me as we're talking about this, that this does it for Amber on all sides. <laughs> like, like this was truly it's ironic that people say, like, this is the end of cancel culture when what you did was was really ruin a woman. And there's not going to be recourse for her, <laughs> even if this thing gets overturned. Does that make sense? I mean, we'll see it because she's supposed to be an Aquaman 2, which comes out next year. I think she's been significantly oh, cut. Oh, down yeah. From that, though. I think if it happens, it's going to be because the studios are preemptively making that decision. I really do think there are more of us in terms of people who are. I think the Johnny Depp fandom seems gargantuan and uncontrollable online, but I don't think there will be massive protests outside of Aquaman 2 if she's in it. I don't know if people are going to be lining up to cast her after this. Yeah, it's going to be maybe my point. Yeah, like maybe not like, oh, you she can't go walk around in Los Angeles or whatever. No, the the studios are not going to be brave enough to cast her. They're just like, they're going to be like, we don't want to deal with this. Right. Yeah, we don't want to play it. Anyway, that's a fun place to leave things. (laughs) (laughs) But we're out of time. (laughs) Then it is. Dave, it was really, really, really great having you here. This was a fun conversation for us. Wait, first, I have to. Sorry, we didn't. We skipped. We skipped this part. Uh, you love The Simpsons. I think it's clear and okay to I say do. that. I do. I do. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm breaking any sort of you know uh, journalistic taboos of objectivity. Yeah, I think. I think yeah. legally you're allowed to yeah. say that. You uh, seem to have instantly a quote for any story, like any any story that drops um, that's appropriate. And this is something like I don't know. I I remember watching the first episode when it aired, and like we taped it from that point on, and it was like the the regular thing you get together on Sunday and you watch, yeah. watch the show uh, like TV used to be. And so this is something that I think a lot of 
listeners have like do naturally like in their everyday lives and just like oh this this quote reminds me of this because they're just they were just so good at encapsulating certain things about our culture and in, in yeah. lines um so you're like really good at that and you how you take a lot of pride in that is that like your 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 way to like legally comment on stories like without like saying anything like no i'm just sharing a fun little simpsons quote yeah i mean it's it's something that i i, I probably did a little bit more uh reflexively and like the more if i if i like start to kind of like examine it like it feels weird even to me like why why am i doing this is it like you never want anything it's it's kind of too late we're all like this to some degree but you don't ever want like any part of your sort of like expression to feel like a shtick or an obligation or just like it's unavoidable we all do things especially like you know on twitter on social media for like that that social reaction and 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 you know how many how many retweets how many likes but i i you know i <laughs> i try not to like do it like too like obviously and 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 there are certain like simpson uh, gifts that just became like you know Homer receding into the bushes or yeah, that's a good sure, one. Sure, they're sure. so ubiquitous and like, they're just like, in you know, no, nobody did it on purpose, but like just by the sort of proliferation of those kinds of memes, like anything you do in a Simpson space now, like it has to really be like, to my mind, like worthwhile, or it just has to show people. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. Um, like a, a deep cut that actually like speaks to the moment as opposed to like, yeah, just a general yeah, reaction. Yeah. Uh, I, I, but it, what's more fun to me now is like, because, you know, I obviously have, you know, online followers who know that I'm into it and whose own like, uh, you know, knowledge of the show is, is, is also like very deep and they all have their own, like every follower will have like their own references and lines that they remember. Like just the other day, like I, I, I posted like a clip or like a, a, like a screen grab from paper moon because I was making a joke about the new Obi-Wan series. And then somebody replied to me with like a gift of Ned Flanders calling out Bart and Homer for copying <laughs> one of the scams from Paper Moon. And like, I, like, I didn't remember that moment or that line, but it was so nice to have a follower remember that. And then I can, you know, retweet that into my feed. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. much prefer, like, you know, like when stuff like that happens organically and, and it, it, like instead of like looking at a headline and, oh, I'm going to take the next five minutes and try to. Find <laughs> yeah. It, like that, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that exactly. never you works. Want, you want to you want to you want to read an article and go like, oh, my God, I can't like this line is in my head. already. If you have to force it, it's not for you. Let someone else take the joke. Yeah. Yeah. If it yeah. comes up. It's good. There certainly was like an era where it just seemed like so many of the, the headlines and, and, and we still live in a time like this, but just like so much of what was happening news wise was so like it was just it was just so on the nose, it, like in an impossible mm -hmm. way. But it, it speaks more to the sensibility of the show where they were so like as colorful and as just kind of like funny and zany as the humor was like there was a real like cynicism and skepticism underneath all of it that they were like very i think in a healthy way distrustful of like all institutions nobody there's mm -hmm. no really i mean with like maybe a couple of exceptions there's no example of like a, a, an adult character on that show who's like totally you know uh good and not like not doing things for like kind of like selfish uh, reasons in, in, in some way or, or, you know, an, un, an underhanded yeah. way. And so like that, like, they, they, you know, they, there's that aspect to the show. And then just the fact of like, you also have a lot of plot lines of people like basically getting caught red handed in, in some kind of scam mm -hmm. and having yeah, like yeah. no explanation for it. And like trying to like back out of it in like the most like blatant and unconvincing way. And so much of like public life is about that now. And so you just, it, it, for as many times as that occurs, in our reality, there are like that many different iterations of Simpson characters doing the same thing. And it, it like it is yet to like the, like the, the well, even even if you just restrict yourself, to, like the first 10 or 12 seasons of the show, I feel like the, the, the it still feels like a bottomless well of like resources to me. It's yeah. like. For, yeah, for any situation. Uh, no, it reminded me of that, like, that South Park bit where it was like, oh, you can't do that. The Simpsons already did it. And it happens so often because there's so many episodes, so many seasons of the show. Just earlier today, I didn't post this. It's not my bit. But they, uh, like, I saw that Joe Biden's giving a speech about mass shootings and he's going to once again push Congress to do something about it. And it, I immediately thought, 
of Apu telling Homer, I've, I've asked you nicely not to ruin my mer- merchandise. You've left me no chance but to ask you nicely again. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly what Joe Biden's doing tonight. I should, I should. That's a, it's like, it, yeah, it, it is. If you watch enough of yeah. that show, it they just pop into your head. Like that's just like this. That's just like that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and I mean, like it's it's not. There are other shows that I probably watched like more rapidly in in a way. Like we go back and rewatch episodes. The Simpsons. I mean, I, I I certainly loved it through its its heyday. I continue to watch it now. But it's not like I, I unless like. Unless I, I mean, I will say like my son, for for whatever reason, he's seven. He has like a real affection for that X-Files parody episode and he can watch that endlessly. Mm. So I know that that one episode really well right. now, yeah. strangely enough. And like all the jokes about like Steve Urkel that my son doesn't even understand what they're referencing. Mm-hmm. Like that's delightful and no use on online really. But like beyond that episode, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say that like I immerse myself in it, uh, like to like refresh it in my mind. It just, for whatever reason, it's stuck. It, you know, it certainly like spoke to me in its day. And now it's just lodged in that part of my brain that, that survived college. Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there are even moments uh, in real life that will make you think of, oh, it's bringing you love. Don't let it get away. It's bringing you love. <laughs> every, every, like every single thing is just uh, extremely appropriate. Even yesterday, we were talking about the gun situation and the door situation and how we got to get uh, one yes. door or we got to give teachers guns. And just like this idea of like the GOP impulse to like, well, we're not going to talk about like their actual problem. We're going to say we got to do this. So we're going to give teachers guns. So giving teachers guns, you're going to ultimately create more situations where people are going to get shot. You're going to accidentally shoot a kid, um, a teacher, like a student's going to steal the gun. Like there are all these situations that arise from that. And so your your solution to school shootings is to create a new subcategory of school shooting that then you're going to have to have a solution for there. And instantly I was just like, oh, yeah, it's like when they the town is overrun by lizards and you need to get uh, uh, the snakes to, to eat the lizards. And then, well, the, you know, then we'll get gorillas to right. eat the snakes. And then, when well, the we have a plan for that. Right. that. Yeah, exactly. It's like this constant thing. <laughs> we could do this all day. I don't need. No, don't need no, it's time to wrap up. But I'm glad that you brought it up. It, it surely is time to wrap up. I just I just had to. You're here. Why Thank not? You. Ask? No, no, yeah. I, I, it, now that I've examined it this closely, like now I'll like second guess myself. In perpetuity. <laughs> yeah, we've made no, it. We, so need it. we need it. We love it. No. <laughs> it's, just, it's free therapy. I appreciate it. No, just feel emboldened that we, we love mm-hmm. and support your work. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. This has been really fun. It was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me to do it. Tell our listeners where they can find you online or plug anything you want to plug. Uh, yeah, I, I, I write regularly for the New York Times at nytimes.com and I tweet my headlines and Simpson gifts at Ditzkoff on Twitter. All right, guys, that's it. End of the show. It's going to stop playing really that's soon. It. We're going to be back next yeah. week. So don't worry about Ooh. it. Um, you can keep listening stop to worrying. this over and over again if you miss us. But mm-hmm. um, repeat. I don't. It's, it's repeat day. That's an option for, for a repeat day. But mm-hmm. most importantly, please remember that we love you very much. Ma-sha. Ma-sha.